Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 14. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. This experience of epi or epi, uh, some people call it uh, a second blessing. Have you ever heard that? You ever heard that phrase, a second blessing? Um, Or some people call it a second experience. Listen, honestly, I believe it's a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, a seventh, and on and on and on blessing. Because I need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit every single day of my life. Yeah. We all need that. Ephesians 5. Everybody needs to be empowered every day. I think it was Moody. I think it was Moody. And somebody said to Moody, they walked up to him and said, Sir, why is it that the Christian needs to be empowered by the Spirit every single day and be filled with the Spirit every single day. And Moody said, because I leak. (laughs) Amen. You don't leak? I tell you what, get out there on that 440 at at rush hour. People go, well, I don't leak. I get you out there on that 440. You be leaking all up and down the freeway. Am I right about it? Somebody cut you off. You be like, I die. Resum, tesum, resum, tesum. You know you're mad when you resum, tesum, resum. (laughs) You leak. We all leak. Ephesians 5 tells us, be ye being filled by the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled every single day. We need a daily refreshing and filling of the Holy Spirit. Remember I told you, and if you don't have it written down, please write this down. Very important. The spirit-filled Christian is not a title. It's a condition. The spirit-filled Christian is not a title. It's a condition. In other words, if you are not a spirit-filled Christian, you're not a Christian. You cannot be a Christian. People say, well, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Are you spirit-filled Christian? Well, what other kind of Christian is there? Because if you're not a spirit-filled Christian, you're not a Christian. The Bible says if you don't have Christ, you don't belong to him. So the only kind of Christian is a spirit-filled Christian. And a spirit-filled Christian is not a title. It's a condition. Did y'all get that? It's a condition. This P experience comes upon a person and gives them supernatural, explosive, dynamic power for service and the work of the ministry. It was that same spirit of God that came upon Moses and David. Do you understand that in the Old Testament, listen to me, listen, get this. In the Old Testament, no one was filled with the spirit. 
There was no filling with the Spirit until the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God came down and the people began to speak with other tongues. And then Peter preached that fantastic sermon and everybody from that point on was filled with the Spirit of God. All they had to do was ask Jesus into their heart and the Spirit of God became their condition. But in the Old Testament, nobody was filled with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God came up upon them. And that is why and explains why David could pray Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take thine holy and take not thy Holy Spirit away from me. That's why he could pray that. It wasn't that David was filled with the Holy Spirit and he's praying, God, don't take away your spirit. He's saying, Lord, allow your spirit to continue to rest on me. The same spirit that came upon Moses and David, the same spirit that came upon Gideon and Jeremiah, the same spirit that came upon Isaiah and Samson and Ezekiel. It's the same spirit that's promised to come upon you and me. Don't you remember Luke 24, 49? Jesus told them, here, follow the story. First of all, in John, you know your Bibles Because you're a well-taught church, I know that. And you know your Bibles, and you know that Jesus breathed on them, and they received the Spirit. Then Jesus said, go into Jerusalem, Luke 24, 49, look it up in your own time. He told them to go into Jerusalem and tarry and wait until you receive power from on high. Fast forward to Acts chapter 1, they were in Jerusalem in the upper room waiting for the power and the presence of and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, boom, the Holy Spirit falls, people see tongues, cloven tongues as a fire, they begin to speak in tongues, and the church is born. Huh? You follow me? The church is born. I'm waiting while you clap your hands. You just learned something, I hope. So Jesus tells them to wait. He's going to send the promise of the Father upon them. Epi, para, en, epi. Three experience, a threefold relationship of the Holy Spirit represented by three different Greek prepositions. You'll hear it again. Okay, now that was last week's point. Let's move to this week's point. Okay, pray for me, okay? Point number two, he promises a supernatural life. Listen, I'm taking my time because this is important. A supernatural life. I want you to look at verse 18. Look at verse 18. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. Now watch this. Jesus had just said, I'm going to send alos, the helper of the same kind, class, and caliber, And now he says, I will personally come to you and I'll not leave you orphanos. Hmm? That's a Greek word, orphanos, orphans. Jesus is saying, I'm not going to leave you hopeless and helpless and undefended without someone to care for you. That's not going to happen. Jesus says, I know you're troubled about someone not caring for you, but I'm not leaving you alone. 
I'm requesting the Father to send you another of the exact same kind. Now think about this for a second. Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. In order for someone to become an orphan, someone has to die. A parent has to die. A mother has to die. A father has to die. Well, listen, Jesus is going to die tomorrow. It's Thursday. I told you the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one in nature and essence. And like a dying father, he says, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm coming back to you. Isn't that an awesome promise? He's not going to leave you orphans. Jesus says, listen, I'm going to die, but it's only for a while. And when it's over, I'll be resurrected and I'll be back. I'll come to you. Now, some scholars are at different opinions as to what Jesus means when he says, I'll come to you. Some think this is a reference to the rapture, and some think this is a reference to the post-resurrection appearance of Jesus. I believe this is a promise that Jesus will come to them in the person and the power and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He will come to them. Remember last week, were you with me? We are talking about the names of God and the names of the Holy Spirit. And another name for God is Emmanuel. Emmanuel means what, saints? God is with us. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was with them. Here we are 2,000 years later, and God is still with us, only in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And get this, if the Lord should tarry 2,000 years from now, God will still be with us. Because... Because Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, memory verse, Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the earth. Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always. He'll always be with us. Listen at this story. Really great story. A true story. Listen close. In the 1950s, a college student named Lo Te Do, Day, actually, Lo Te Day. And he was from the island of Ty- in Taiwan, Formosa. And Lo was a brilliant man and an excellent student who was approached by some missionaries who were really desiring to convert him. He was very convicted, but firmly decided, no, I will not give my life to anyone. I'm the captain of my fate and the controller of my destiny. I decide what I want to do. But wherever he saw these missionaries worshiping, it used to bug him. And so he went halfway around the world to Britain, and he enrolled himself in a graduate studies program in London at Cambridge University. He continued to excel, but wouldn't you know it, a young man that he was sharing an apartment with was a believer. Well, he started witnessing to him too and sharing, and it drove low, absolutely crazy. And so he left England. And he headed for California. He arrived in California, moved into an apartment and got a knock on the door. And it was some someone witnessing and sharing the gospel. And he got very upset. And as he continued to witness, the Christian said, here, take this New Testament. And he grabbed it and he said, you Christians are so pushy. I'm sick of it. And he threw the New Testament across the room into the fireplace where the fire was raging. He slammed the door. The next day, the man was sitting in the front room looking at the fireplace, and he noticed the New Testament Bible in the fireplace burned. 
and charred, and he grabbed the book. Well, at this time, it was only a page, and only a part of that page. In fact, only a phrase from that part of the page, and it was this phrase, Lo, I am with you always. In that great true story, and the man fell to his knees, and with tears streaming down his face, he became a believer, and he went on to become a pastor and a preacher and a writer from Formosa to England to California to Apex. Listen, Jesus says, I am with you always. He's with you always. Whatever you're going through, Jesus is with you. And therein is a great promise. We serve a God who comforts. We serve a God who gives us promises. We serve a God who loves us enough to say, I'm always with you. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. You show me any religion under God's green earth that tells you that their God will always be with you through any trials, through any suffering, through any temptation. You show me a God like that. We serve an awesome God. Somebody better clap their hands and say amen. We serve an awesome God. He's with us always. Well, Look at verse 19. Jesus says, a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live. What, saints? Also, Jesus is promising them resurrected life. Jesus says, I'm going to go and the world won't see me, but you'll see me by faith. You'll see me because of the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says the Holy Spirit is coming and I'll be back to dwell in you by the Spirit. And there's a future aspect to this verse as well. The future aspect speaks of the hope of the resurrection. Here in the immediate text, it speaks to the believer who is alive to the supernatural life of Christ. And the believer will be aware of what's going on in the spiritual realm. You see, that's what the resurrected life is all about, saints. The resurrected life is a quality of life that makes you sensitive to spiritual life. Are you listening? The resurrected life enables you to live on earth and be aware of heaven. Hmm. When you have time, go to Facebook. I posted a really long article, somewhat for Facebook long. I just was yesterday just reading and studying. Jesus says, Lo, I'm with you always. And I'm thinking about the resurrected life that enables me to live a life on earth and and, and yet be aware of heaven. And all of a sudden I went on this whole different tangent and I started writing about the life of the Christian. And, 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 And this earth is not our home. This we're we're just strangers and pilgrims passing through. Do you believe it? And and we're going. I'm waiting while you clap your hands if you believe it. And we're just strangers and and pilgrims passing through, and we get so caught up in this stuff. We get so caught up, and you know, people prepare for their funerals. They 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 prepare for you know uh, retirement. They prepare for what they're gonna have for dinner tonight. You prepare for vacation, but do you prepare to meet Jesus? Because I can tell you, only what you do for Christ will last. This life will soon be passed. Only what you do for Christ will last. That's a fact. That's a fact. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how much money you make. You know, I've met some lovely people in my life, and I've met some very, very wealthy people in my life. 
God has blessed this Philly boy from the streets, the hood. I'm from the hood of, of, of Philadelphia to meet some lovely, wealthy people. And I can honestly tell you, wealth and fame and money and stuff and cars and you got a nice pool and a bow system and you got all the cool stuff. None of that stuff matters when you laying on your deathbed and you about to take your last breath to see Jesus. None of that stuff matters. You give it all for your health. You give it all for your life. Am I right about it? None of that stuff matters. Only what you do for Christ will last. Only what you give to the Lord will last. Only what you give to the Lord can you take with you. Somebody once said, it's true. You've never seen a hearse pull in a U-Haul. Is that right? Amen. Hallelujah. The resurrected life causes us to understand our citizenship is in heaven. The world doesn't know it, but you know it. Your home's in heaven. Am I right about it? When you gave your life to Jesus, do you know this? You gave up your citizenship. I live in Apex, but I also live in the heavenlies. You see that? And so God's given us great promises. Not going to leave us orphans. He could have. He could have. I'll tell you something. Pray for me. Pray for my mom. And whenever I think about this word orphans, I think, I, I don't think I've ever shared this story publicly, ever. Some years ago, and for those of you that remember years ago, we're talking 50 years ago now. Um, it was very easy for you to end up in a foster home. If your mom got sick and couldn't take care of you, some of y'all old enough, some of y'all young people, y'all know what I'm talking about. But y'all know what I'm talking about. Very easy. So my mother got real sick. And we ended up in foster care. And so I know what it feels like to feel like an orphan. And this lady, she loved us. She loved us. And when mother got well, by then the lady had petitioned the court to um, petition the court so that she could keep us. She loved us. She cared for us. And we loved her. My mom wanted to get us back, and she couldn't. So, um, but she had visitation rights. Just me and my brother. So my mom went, and I still see this house when I go to Philadelphia. I still see this house. It's still there. So my mom came to visit us one day, and she, um, she had got an apartment, and she got everything set up. She got a bedroom, and she got everything set up for us. And then she went to visit us one day because she had visitation rights, and she went to the house, and, and she asked the lady, um, would she mind if she would go get us some pants and some shoes so that we could, um, she could take us out for a couple of hours, walk down the street or something like that. So they go, oh, sure, oh, sure. 
So when the lady went upstairs to get the shoes and stuff like that, my mom swiped us up and ran out the door. She swiped us up, got in the car. I'll never forget the car we got. It was a blue Malibu. I don't know. How do you remember stuff like that? And she swiped us up and she, got, and she took us back. And then we finally, finally went to court. And then the judge said, you know, the judge said, listen, if this woman would have done all of that, got a department and got a place to live and got some beds and took care of it. My mother was a single mother. We were poor. So she had to work really, really hard to have something for us. And the judge said, the judge said to her, she, he said, if this woman would work that hard and do all of that and then steal her children and risk being in trouble with the law, to have her boys back, he ordered that we be given back to her. Isn't that awesome? And my mom, she, she, she worked really hard. And my mom packed hot dogs. Y'all know if you've been around here at Calvary Chapel. She, my mom worked at Ballpark Franks. They, the hot dogs that plump when you cook them. Y'all remember those? Y'all remember those hot dogs plump when you cook them? Let me tell you something. If we, again, we were poor. If we didn't have nothing in the refrigerator to eat, we had hot dogs. I'm telling you, we had hot dogs and mayonnaise. I don't know. I, I never, I'm like, hot dogs and mustard. Okay. Uh, hot dogs and ketchup. Okay. Hot dogs and relish. Okay. Hot dogs and mayonnaise. We had hot dogs. We had nothing to eat. I'm telling y'all today. We, I mean, honestly, I, Mom, what are we going to have for breakfast today? Well, there's some hot dogs in there. I mean, literally, to today, if y'all know me, I will not eat a hot dog, okay? <laughs> I don't care if Jesus cooked it, okay? Y'all be like, Jesus cooked a hot dog. Well, then you eat it. I will. I'm not eating. I can't. I just, I can't. Say, I don't care if they're Hebrew nationals. Say amen. I'm not eating no hot dog. But my mother, for 30 years, worked in a freezer, packing hot dogs. And she put us through Catholic school. Back then, that was expensive. I remember taking the check to school for like $75. And back then, for two two kids, $75 back then was, yes, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. It was a lot of money back then. 75 bucks, that was a lot of money. But she wanted us to get a good education. She wanted us in parochial school. You remember that word? Parochial school. It wasn't Catholic school. It was parochial school. And we wore uniforms. And she took care of us. And she worked hard to take care of us and, 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 and provide for us. And, so, and, and, and in all that she's done, and, and the blessing she's been, God has been yet more faithful. God has been more faithful. And I look back over my life, and God has blessed me. I'm not supposed to be standing here. I'm a street kid from Philly. I don't have a college education. Anything I know, the comforter has taught me. Anything I know. 
God has been faithful. And what I'm trying to tell you is that if God is faithful to me, he will be faithful to you. And no matter what you go through, I will tell you this. If God fails you, you will be the first. Because God cannot fail. He won't fail. And I don't, I don't care... I don't care what you're going through, and I don't care what your situation is, and I don't care how, how, how bad it is, and the bills are due, and you have no way to pay them, and, and people owe you money, and you can't pay your bills until people pay. I, that's how business is. I know you can't pay your bills until other people pay you, and the situations are going on, and things are happening. But I will tell you this. Our God is a faithful God. That's all I know. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.